Hi, and thanks for tuning in to Speak Up, Speech Pathology Australia's podcast. Each week, we feature an interesting, thought-provoking and clinically relevant conversation to enhance your speech pathology practice. Let's hear from this week's contributors. Hi, and welcome to Speak Up. This is Nadia, and today I'm joining you from Wurundjeri Country. We are talking all things certification in the lead up to the 2022-2023 membership renewal year, um, where there has been some changes to the things that we need to be doing as speech pathologists to maintain our certification. So today we are doing two parts, and our first part is that we're joined by Tim Kittle. Um, And Tim is going to tell us a little bit about the background of why these changes were made. Hi, Tim. Thanks for being here. Hi, Nadia. It's really, really nice to speak to you again. I'm joining you from the amazing lands of the Ghana people. Um, So it's lovely to chat with you. Um, So when it came to looking at professional support and cultural learning, there was a huge paradigm shift, I think, that we kind of learnt. And perhaps it was a a bit of a learning that happened over the past couple of years. because lots of people were doing learning at home and uh, <laughs> and really reflecting on their practice. And a lot of the upskilling yeah. was around telepractice and telepractice and, and all of those sorts of things. And actually, um, the idea of reflecting as being part of a learning is actually really, really important. And so moving from an activity-based certification program uh, to something that actually really talks about how we develop as clinicians or mm-hmm. researchers or whatever type of uh, member of Speech Pathology Australia sort of came into very, very um, clear focus for us, that that's how you actually develop. We also put that together with the fact that we are Speech Pathology Australia and the word Australia Um denotes a lot of things but what it uh, absolutely denotes is a really rich history and culture that stretches back tens of thousands of years and I don't think you can call yourself an Australian speech pathologist if you haven't deeply reflected on the history of of this of this country and it's the same with any country if you move and you practice in Ireland you sort of want to know what are what are Irish values what's the culture what's the you know, it's whenever you travel to a place, but it's more important when you're home. Mm. And because we have values around being responsive and being inclusive, I, I think that you can't be responsive if you don't first seek to understand what's happened. And mm. all of us are on a journey. Um, and the Board of Speech Pathology Australia um in consultation with our amazing Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander advisory group, recognised that huge gains can be made in reflecting on First Nations perspectives, um, First Nations Mm. histories, First Nations truth-telling. And it's a part of our profession as well as part of our individual history. It's a journey that we all go on individually, but Mm -hmm. we can't divorce our lives from our profession that's how we yeah. sort of construct we want and, to either yeah precisely and we interact with everybody and there yeah. is an Australian way of interacting um and I think that we need to learn and uncover more about First Nations ways of dreaming speaking talking telling stories all of those sorts of things and as speech pathologists we made an apology in 2019 because we haven't mm-hmm. always been that reflective in our practice and we've made a commitment to it. 
And so therefore, it's really, really timely for us to be thinking about cultural learning as part of a reflective practice. So it's a big, big question. Mm. And I think it's uh, also ties in a lot to our Speech Pathology 2030 aspiration and vision mm-hmm. that actually as a profession, we co-construct uh, culturally safe and responsive therapy services for all, but in particular our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander um, peoples. Um, and this is reflected in a lot of the core documents that we have as Speech Pathology Australia, speech pathologists as well. It's um, reflected in the um, the professional standards, the code of ethics. There's a lot that, that really is aligned with this decision. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And so because this is important, because this is our profession and because this is a journey that we're all on, mm. it's important that our credentialing process actually looks at our cultural learning and our growth and recognises it. I think it gives it, um, a, for want of a better word, a, a legitimacy when we're talking mm. with those people who employ us that mm-hmm. actually this is vital to the profession. It stands up there alongside professional supervision mm. and a whole range of whatever is within your particular scope of practice. But the scope of practice, no matter what you're going to be interacting with, you need to grow yourself professionally, but you yep. also need to be culturally aware and culturally responsive as well. So that's the reason why it's changed. So in short, really, it's that um, movement away from activity-based. I've been to a CPD and I attended for four <laughs> hours, and therefore I get four points. doesn't matter yep. whether I was listening or not or whether <laughs> brilliant learning towards you know what is it that's actually shaping a reflective practice and then when we sort of position ourselves um culturally it's really important that we take that time to continue along that journey with our profession too so that's yeah, it great cool. wonderful and so looking ahead looking forward what are some things that you're hopeful and that the board were hopeful might be achieved with changes like these yeah look i i think what we we're hoping to achieve Um, as I was saying before, is actually um, enabling people to move along um, in their own learnings when it comes to uh, the position of the profession and the position of ourselves as clinicians and researchers. Um, It's really important in a profession that is about speaking, listening, communicating Mm. to recognise where people are in terms yeah. of the ways that they prefer to communicate or um, and that's you know that's a really vital part of our profession so we we hope that what we will actually achieve is actually really true connection um when the board meets together in our acknowledgement of, of country we talk about our vision for um being able to contribute to culturally safe and responsive services designed Mm. with First Nations people. You know, that is our absolute vision as a board and as an association. And so we have an obligation to help members within that. That's something that we all own. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much for your time today, Tim. Thanks, Nadia. We are now joined by uh, one of our working party members, Christy, and Rosie, who is from National Office and talks all things certification all day. Um, Hi, Christy. How are you? Hi, Nadia. Well, thank you. And hi, Rosie. Hi, Nadia. Lovely to to join you today. So I'm going to let the two of you introduce yourselves and then we'll get to some of the questions that you have. 
Christy, can you tell us a little bit about your background and why you're here today? Yeah, of course. My name is Christy Ferrick and I'm a speech pathologist working in Sydney on the lands of the Gurungai people. I actually originally trained in London, but I've been working in Sydney for the last five years. And I'm really lucky to be working in a multidisciplinary team in Sydney in paediatrics. And this year, I've also had the opportunity to be part of the advisory group for the Speak Up podcast. Great. Thank you. And Rosie, tell us a little bit about your role, please. I'm Rosie Miller, and I'm an advisor on the professional standards team at Speech Pathology Australia. And I've been working here for four and a half years now. Um, and I'm uh, joining you today from the lands of the Wurundjeri Woi Wurrung people. Wonderful. So, Christy, you've got a whole pile of questions about all of these certification changes. Can you start us off and tell us a little bit about them? Yes, of course. It's really exciting to be talking with you both today and, of course, to find out more about the certification program. In fact, it's a very timely topic as it came up in my team's PD meeting last week. One of my colleagues put together a presentation about the changes, which was really helpful. But as ever, finding out more information leads to more questions. So it's super helpful to be having a conversation with you, Rosie, who's been so instrumental in the planning of the program. First, it'll be great to get back to the basics. We know that speech pathologists really do tend to be busy professionals who are juggling many elements of their work. So we know there must be a good reason for SPA to prioritize the certification program. What else could you tell us about its purpose? That's a really great question, Christy. Um, the main purpose of the certification program is to ensure that practitioners are competent to provide safe, effective and evidence-based services. Certification is an important mechanism for protecting service users, for protecting the public. And its main aim is to ensure quality of speech pathology practice and great outcomes for the people and communities that we serve. Certification has two main components, continuing professional development or CPD and recency of practice. And Speech Pathology Australia is the regulator. Speech Pathology Australia regulates certification for both members and also for non-members. And as we know, certification comes with privileges such as the use of the title Certified Practicing Speech Pathologist and eligibility to provide services to people funded by bodies such as NDIS and Medicare and the Commonwealth Home Support Program. But it also comes with obligations such as keeping up our continuing professional development and our recency of practice. Super, it's really helpful to know really what the requirements are and a re reminder that we do get privileges with our certification. So following on from that, we were all so familiar with the previous system, which actually prompted us in our meeting last week to ask, why does Spartan decide to make these changes? Yeah, um, the new certification program came into effect last year on the 1st of July, 2022. And there were several reasons why those changes were made. Primarily, there was a need to align the certification requirements with the professional standards and with 
the Code of Ethics. We need a certification program that affirms our commitment to professional support and to culturally safe practice when working with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. Mm. Another driver was the need to acknowledge the diversity of roles and contexts in which speech pathologists now work. That's why the scope of practice and definition of practice were updated. So the definition of practice is now much broader and more inclusive and better reflects the range of roles in which speech pathologists are now working. It no longer includes that requirement for a certain percentage of direct clinical hours. Um, In terms of CPD, um, the PSR program, as it used to be called, was introduced over 20 years ago. So a major review was well overdue. And it's really important that we review the model from time to time to see if it can be improved. And the PSR model was quite complex. There were 11 different categories, different points values, both within and across categories. There were 12-point caps, um, a requirement for at least 10 points to be directly related to clinical practice. So some speech pathologists didn't see themselves in that model. For example, if you were working in research or in management, um, this requirement to do CPD related to clinical practice wasn't particularly relevant. And also there was no clear definition of what continuing professional development meant. So we wanted a simpler system and it was time for change. And as part of the review, we looked at the evidence around CPD and regulatory Mm. mechanisms and we we looked at trends in Australia and overseas. We learned that there's a shift towards models that are outcome-based where there's a focus on the outcomes of learning and supporting our professional development and strengthening and improving practice, and where planning and reflection are key elements. And last but not least, we responded to feedback from members. Members were telling us that they want want certification requirements that support practice improvement and that are inclusive of a range of speech pathology roles yet a simple and easy to implement. So the aim was to develop a model that was robust and inclusive, but also easy to understand, much simpler to implement. Great, thanks so much, Rosie. It's really good to know that the new system will be more streamlined and and still at the same time be more effective of the range of roles that speech pathologists have. Okay, next, it'll be great to move to a bit more of the nitty gritty details. And we know that the details the changes came into effect last year, but it still has taken us a little bit of time to get our heads around it. So, and, and as you just talked about, we know that points have changed to hours and the PSR tab has changed to the CPD log. So there are a few bits of terminology to get used to. Can we start with the minimum CPD requirements? What are they? Mm, it's really timely to be having this conversation now because membership renewal is coming up. And when we renew our membership for 2023-2024, this will be the first time that we submit hours of learning instead of points. So the the CPD requirement is a minimum of 20 hours of learning per membership year. And the 20 hours of learning must include at least two hours receipt of professional support. And professional support is defined very broadly, can include a whole range of different types of professional support partnerships, and at least two hours of cultural learning. Um, The inclusion of these mandatory elements is really important in supporting the aspirations of the profession 
um, as Tim outlined at the beginning of this podcast. And it also aligns the CPD requirement with the professional standards and the code of ethics. The model is a lot simpler. Instead of 11 categories, there are now only three, professional support, cultural learning and other learning, and there are no, no caps or maximum number of hours of learning. The CPD requirements also state that we must, or certified practising speech pathologists must develop a plan, a CPD plan, and that plan could, you know, there are no strict requirements about what that plan should look like because SPA recognises that we all plan in different ways. We must maintain a log or a CPD record. We must engage in CPD that draws on the best available evidence and we need to seek to ensure that CPD, CPD activities contribute to the quality of our practice and benefit service users and or communities. So seek to ensure is, is important wording because we can't always guarantee or ensure that, that our CPD will benefit our practice or benefit service users, but it's about holding that intention. And as you know, instead of points, we'll, we're now recording hours of learning. So there's been that shift from time spent attending or participating to time spent learning and how that learning might strengthen our practice. Yeah, so I hope that answers your question, Christy. <laughs> yeah, that's really helpful. Thank you. And just to be really clear, this was a question that we had Again, in our meeting last week, could you talk us through exactly what one hour of learning means? Because we know it doesn't necessarily mean completing a course that's one hour. Yeah, that's right. An hour of learning is an hour in which your current skills or knowledge were strengthened or you learned something new. And it's up to individuals, individual speech pathologists, to determine how many hours of learning were involved or how many hours of learning they accrue. So, for example, you might go to a two-and-a-half-hour workshop and you find that half an hour covered familiar material and you didn't learn anything new or it didn't extend what you already know. So instead of two-and-a-half hours, you claim two hours of learning. Mm. Um, you could, yeah, you could also claim... Um, reflective learning. So the time that you spend after a learning activity or after a workshop or webinar or after reading an article, whatever, that reflective time that you spend digesting that content and thinking about, well, what does this, this mean for my practice and, and what might I do about that? Great. That's really clear. Thank you. It's also really nice to hear that CPD is, sounds like it's broader with this new model too. What about hours spent providing supervision or mentoring? Do they count and do they go under the same category? Yeah, under the new model, the professional support category refers to receipt of professional support, but you could also claim hours of learning for providing professional support or supervision or mentoring. If you feel that you've learned something new or that your current skills or knowledge have been enhanced through those interactions. So if you determine that, yeah, I, I was a mentor for someone and I found that experience really um, expanded my skills or knowledge, then you could record those hours of learning under the other learning category, which is code O. So, it's, yeah, it's up to the individual to discern whether they can claim hours of learning for provision of supervision or mentoring. 
And that's where the, the, def the definition of continuing professional development that SPA has provided can, can be really helpful. So if you're not sure, I would always recommend that you go back to that definition of CPD. Great. Thank you, Rosie. That's a great recommendation. And could you talk a bit more about the other codes that there are in the process? Sure. There are three codes. Um, code S refers to professional support and Code C refers to cultural learning and Code O refers to everything else, other learning. Great. Three, three of them. Sounds a lot simpler. Thank you. Now I've got a question which is um, relevant for me. What about the hours of learning which you might have spent on a SPA committee or a working group? Could we use those? Yeah, again, it's up to the individual to make a judgment about whether they can claim hours of learning for involvement in a SPA committee or a working group. And I guess the key question is, is this continuing professional development? Were my skills or knowledge enhanced? Did I learn anything new? And again, going back to that definition of continuing professional development will be helpful there. Great, thank you. Now, as part of the registration process, you require all speech pathologists to extend their cultural learning. Could you elaborate more on that? So within the certification program, cultural learning specifically refers to learning about Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander ways of knowing, being and doing, cultures and histories. So it's, it's not about learning about other cultures. I mean, certainly learning about other cultures can be really important for your practice, but in terms of where you would record that, you would record it under code O. But if it's specific to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples and communities, you would record it under code C, cultural learning. Great, thank you. It is a good reminder of the importance of making connections with the community around us, isn't it? Regardless really of who might be currently accessing our speech pathology services. Thanks Rosie, that was really helpful. A question that came up in our meeting last week, which would be really helpful to know more about is, why are all speech pathologists required to extend their cultural learning, regardless of whether there are people on their caseload of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people? Could you tell us a bit more about that? Sure. I think Tim Kittle at the beginning of this podcast explains the background to the introduction of the cultural learning requirement beautifully. It doesn't matter whether we're currently working with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people or not. This is about cultural shift. This is about our individual and collective responsibility and obligation, not only as health professionals, but as Australians to understand our history and the impacts of colonisation. I see it as a contribution towards reconciliation. It's also, as Tim says, about living our values of inclusivity and cultural safety. Therefore, we should be learning about and strengthening our understandings of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander ways of knowing, being and doing. I'd, um, I'd also encourage people to listen to Tara Lewis talk about the cultural learning requirement. Tara is the Senior Advisor, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Strategy and Practice. And there's a Speak Out podcast that we recorded in 2022. I think it's Series 4, Episode 17. And Tara talks about the cultural learning requirement there. 
And there's also a recording of Tara's short video presentation at the 2022 SPA conference about cultural learning. And that video clip is available on the certification program page of the website. So I'd encourage people who are who still have questions about the cultural learning requirement to head to the website and, and check out Tara's, um, Tara's discussion there. Great. Thank you, Rosie. It is such a good reminder of the need that we have to live out the values of inclusivity in our work as well. Thank you. Could you tell us in some examples, what doesn't count as CPD? Sure. Um, in general, what you can't claim as CPD are activities that don't involve new or enhanced learning, such as activities that might reasonably be expected to be a routine part of your job. So an example might be repeat workshops that you, do, that you deliver or service improvement activities that are part of your role. And again, it's up to you to judge whether an activity is CPD or not and whether learning was involved. Great, thank you. Now, the last questions we had for you today were about individual circumstances. Now, of course, there's gonna be a whole range of different circumstances out there, but there are a few that I'm sure are gonna be common ones for our listeners. Let's start with therapists who are planning a period of extended leave, such as traveling abroad. How would you maintain your CPSP status? And is there a CPD extension? Yes, there is a CPD extension and the CPD extension is available for members who are going on extended leave of six months or more. And also if you're experiencing significant illness that prevents you from working or engaging in CPD, you would also be eligible. A CPD extension gives you a further membership year to engage in CPD and meet the minimum requirements. But it's important to remember that you can't have two CBD extensions in a row. So that means at the end of the two-year period, you must have met the minimum CPD requirement. Great. That's really helpful. Thank you. And the next question is actually relevant to a few therapists in my team, and I'm sure to many other speech pathologists out there. The question really is about how it fits with parental leave. And there's two scenarios in mind. Firstly, what should a speech pathologist do who has recently come back from parental leave? And then secondly, what about a therapist who is going to go on parental leave before June? Sure. Um, if you are planning extended leave or a career break and you want to maintain your certified practising status when you return, it's really important that you make sure that when you do return to work and renew your membership, that you will have met the minimum recency of practice and CPD requirements. A CPD extension is available, as I've just mentioned, but there, there is no recency of practice extension. So maintaining your recency of practice is particularly important. So we need to be proactive. We need to understand the certification requirements and we also need to keep a track of our practice hours and CPD and plan ahead. Super, thank you. And Rosie, could you tell us a bit about how early career therapists will be approaching the process? Sure. So the minimum CPD requirements apply to everybody, whether you're a provisional certified practising speech pathologist or a full certified practising speech pathologist, and their annual requirement for new graduates or provisional certified practising members 
there are additional requirements um, that they need to meet in order to, to transition from provisional to full CPSP status. And new graduates have three years um, to meet those requirements. And there are basically four eligibility requirements or four things they need to do. And that one of them is um, to receive at least 12 hours of supervision or mentoring from a more experienced speech pathologist at any time within that timeframe. They need to have accrued at least 200 practice hours. They need to have completed the online SPA ethics education resource and also the evidence-based practice online module. Great, thank you. It's good to know that there's lots of resources and support out there for our early career therapists. There shouldn't be too many people, but what are the implications if I don't meet the minimum recency of practice requirements? Sure, firstly, I would encourage you to become familiar with the recency of practice requirement that applies to you and to also become familiar with the current definition of practice. And all that information is on the certification program pages of the website. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, the, the scope of practice and the definition of practice were revised in 2022 and are much broader and more inclusive. So after reading or becoming familiar with the definition of practice, it might be that you find that you have accrued more practice hours than you thought. So that would be the first step that I'd recommend. But if you still have questions, I would encourage you to contact us at National Office and um, someone on the professional standards team would be most happy to assist you and to discuss your options. Okay, finally, let's finish off with a more technical based question. So there's been lots of exciting tech updates to SPA in the last few years, including the podcast, and also including the beginning of online forums. Another one is the introduction of the online log. Could you talk, it, talk us through its features and how it's been built with a real life speech pathologist in mind? Certainly. Um, the online MyCPD log aligns with the new CPD requirements that came into effect on the 1st of July 2022. And there are some great features and improvements to make it easy to use. So we can now upload evidence to the log. I think there's a maximum of one document per entry um, that we can upload. And it's now really easy to, to download a copy of your log as a PDF. Some employers ask or require speech pathologists to provide a log. So that, that I think is a really useful feature. Mm. So the online log, it's a, great, it's a great way to keep your CPD records in one place. So it avoids those dramas when you, um, for example, you've been randomly selected for an audit, you've changed workplaces, you're on leave or a natural disaster happens and mm -hmm. you can't access your CPD log or your evidence. So it's great to know that you've got it there on your CP, on your SPA account, it's all there and accessible regardless of where you are. And the other benefit is that when it comes to renewal, the hours of learning in your log should automatically transfer and populate into the fields on the online declaration form. Um, so I just wanted to remind people that the, the, my, the new MyCPD log is for entries dated um, from the 1st of July 2022 onwards. So please don't use the, the new log for entries dated prior to the 1st of July 2022, 20, otherwise the entries won't save. Um, 
Ideally, we'd love to have an app so that we can log our CPD from our phones, but that's something for the future. That'd be exciting. See that really taking off. Thank you, Rosie. And lastly, we know that SPA put together lots of information online to help pathologists understand and complete the requirements. But what would you suggest if you've looked at this information and still have a question? Yeah, we're very happy to answer questions from members. So I really encourage people to, you know, after you've read the information on the website, if your, if your question hasn't been answered there, please get in touch, call or email National Office and we'll be more than happy to assist. Great, thank you. I know every time I've contacted SPA, sometimes it takes a little bit of time to find the right email address, but it's always been really helpful. And it's always amazing that you guys are there with such knowledge, but still so accessible. So thank you so much, Rosie, for answering our questions today. We, as I said, we really are lucky to have such direct access to the thinking and planning behind the program. I know it always takes a bit of time to get used to something new, but the changes to the certification requirements really do seem to make our CPD into a simpler yet more flexible process. And Nadia, thanks so much for having me on the podcast. I've of course listened to lots of Speak Up episodes. It's a real privilege to ask the one asking the questions. Thank you. Well, thanks for being here, Christy. That was really great. I had, I had some questions of mine answered in that conversation as well. So thank you for being the question asker. Ah, oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you. And thanks, Rosie, for your times as well today. You're most welcome. Thanks, Nadia. Thanks, Christy. Um, we're going to make sure that in the show notes for today's episode that you will have all of the things that Rosie was talking about in terms of supports and we'll have some an email address and some contact details as well. So if you have any further questions, you can just look in the show notes and they should all be there. Thanks, everybody, for listening today and make sure you tune into our conversation next time. We hope you enjoyed this week's conversation. Please be sure to subscribe or follow the podcast and share it with your colleagues. You can also visit us at speechpathologyaustralia.org.au. Thanks for listening and bye for now.